Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 16. The Other Six Labours of Heracles. The great hero Heracles had been sent to Tiryns to carry out a series of tasks for the cowardly king Eurystheus. Six times he had been sent out to do something dangerous or very difficult, and six times he had succeeded. For the first six labours, Heracles had not had to travel too far from Argolis. Eurystheus decided that the next six labours would not be so close to home. First, Heracles would have to travel overseas, and then for his last three labours he would have to travel further, to the ends of the earth, and then even further, down into the realm of the underworld. Heracles departed Tiryns for Crete, where he would perform the seventh labour, capturing the Cretan bull. He arrived on the island and was warmly welcomed by King Minos. The king was delighted that someone had come to rid him of the bull. It was the very bull sent by Poseidon to prove just how great Minos was. As we know, Minos could not bring himself to kill it and had sacrificed one of his own bulls instead. This had led to the birth of the Minotaur and we all know how much havoc that beast wrought. The bull went on to ravage the countryside of Crete and was particularly keen on destroying orchards. Heracles, though, was a match for any mad bull. He captured it single-handedly and took it back to Tiryns. Eurystheus only just had chance to dive into his massive jar when he saw the bull approaching. He crouched, shivering and quaking with fear, for several days. Heracles let the bull go, and it escaped to Marathon, where it was later killed by Theseus, who sacrificed it to Athena. Heracles sat around for a bit, waiting for scaredy-cat Eurystheus to be brave enough to come out of his jar. Eventually, he crept out and recovered his courage. He sent Heracles off to capture the four savage mares of Diomedes. The hero set off, and this time took a few volunteers with him. Far, far away in the land of Thrace, King Diomedes owned four mares. These horses were the terror of Thrace. Every day they were fed human flesh, and the more humans they ate, the more savage they became. Diomedes, very sensibly, kept them chained up. Heracles and his friends arrived. The horses didn't seem to cause them too much trouble, and they managed to shackle them to a chariot with the help of a groom called Abderus, who worked for Diomedes. The groom had, though, betrayed Heracles and his friends to Diomedes, and the Thracian king pursued the horse thieves. Heracles realised he was outnumbered, but he remembered what he had done to clean the Audian stables. He ran to the sea walls and cut a channel in them, so the water flooded in and washed away most of the army. Diomedes was captured and fed to his own man-eating horses. They had already eaten Abderus. Somehow, by the time they reached Tiryns, the horses were tamed and Eurystheus didn't need to use his scaredy-pants jar. He dedicated the horses to Hera and sent Heracles off on his ninth labour. This time I want you to bring me the belt of Hippolyta, Queen of the Amazons. My daughter has taken a liking to it, and I want to give her a nice present. The belt is a gift of Ares, and I want it as a gift for my daughter. The land of the Amazons was far from Tiryns, and required a long voyage by ship into the Black Sea. Heracles set off with a band of nine followers. On his way, he landed on the island of Paros. Unfortunately, a couple of Heracles' crew landed to fetch water and were murdered by Minos's sons. Heracles was very annoyed and indignantly killed all four of them. Soon they arrived in the land of the Amazons, ready for war. Much to their surprise, though, Hippolyta greeted them peacefully. 
Even more surprisingly, she was happy to give Heracles the belt once he had explained why he was there. This time, though, the task would not be so easy. And it would not be easy because Heracles' worst enemy had decided he needed to be challenged a little bit more. Yes, Hera was about to interfere. The Queen of the Gods descended to the earth disguised as an Amazon warrior. She made her way to the citadel and started to make trouble. Amazons, come here quickly, she cried. The ship in the harbour is filled with disgusting, horrible pirates who have captured our queen. They are going to sell her as a slave. The Amazons were, of course, very upset by this. They believed the lie told by Hera completely, and they ran out of the citadel like a swarm of angry bees. Shouting and bellowing fiercely, they rushed down to the shore. The incensed women attacked Heracles and his friends with every ounce of strength that they had. The battle that followed was truly terrible. Many of the Amazons were killed by Heracles and his friends. In the end, Heracles seized Hippolyta's favourite sister, Melanippe, and refused to let her go unless the fighting stopped and the queen handed over the belt. Hippolyta ordered the Amazons to go back to the city, and then handed the belt to Heracles. He released Melanippe, and the ship sailed away. The return journey was not straightforward. As they were sailing past Troy, they discovered a lovely young girl chained to a rock, just like Perseus had found Andromeda. She was called Hesione, and was the daughter of King Laomedon, king of Troy. Apollo and Poseidon were angry at the king, because he refused to pay the wage he promised them for building Troy's walls. Apollo sent a plague, and Poseidon a sea monster, to destroy Troy. Oracles promised that all would be okay for the city if Laomedon gave his daughter to be eaten by the monster, so he exposed her by chaining her to some rocks near the sea. This is where Heracles found the poor girl. Heracles saw a chance to get something for himself from this situation. Off he went to see Laomedon. What will you give me if I kill the monster and free your daughter? he asked. You can have my daughter for your wife, said Laomedon. You may also have the two magic horses of Zeus. They were given by the king of the gods to my father when he took Ganymede to Olympus. Ganymede was the cupbearer to the Olympians. He brought them nectar to drink. Zeus had given Ganymede's father, who was also Laomedon's grandfather, the horses, in compensation for taking the young man to Olympus. The horses could run over the sea as fast as they could run over land. Heracles thought this was a pretty good idea. He agreed and prepared to do battle with yet another monster. Crouching down below a low wall, he waited for the serpent to arrive. He didn't have to wait long. He was hardly even ready when he saw a long line of foam far out to sea. He heard a strange roaring. The monster was approaching. In the space of a few seconds, the serpent was ready to attack. It had three rows of razor-sharp teeth and a coiled, scaly body. It was also absolutely enormous. Heracles waited behind his wall until the serpent, re serpent reared up, its mighty head blocking out the sun. It roared and hissed with rage. Hesione shrieked and squealed in absolute terror. She was convinced she was about to be eaten. The monster turned and was about to devour the poor girl when Heracles sprang up from behind his wall. The hero uttered a deafening cry and fired an arrow after arrow at the serpent. His aim was perfect and every arrow hit its target. The monster, though, hardly seemed to notice. Heracles realised he wasn't getting anywhere, so he put down the bow and arrow and began chucking huge rocks at it. At last the serpent seemed to realise it was under attack and so it turned towards Heracles, roaring with even more rage. 
Heracles prayed to Zeus and jumped. He jumped up towards the serpent's head. He jumped up right at the serpent's face. He jumped into its mouth. The three rows of teeth came crashing down and just missed the hero, but he disappeared from view. It appeared that he had been swallowed. Heracles, though, knew exactly what he was doing. He charged down the beast's throat, hacking with his sword. The beast screamed in pain and ducked back into the water. Soon, though, the water turned red with blood. Heracles had killed the serpent from the inside, and he cut his way out. The people cheered. Heracles freed his irony and took her back to her father. Laomedon invited them back to his city for a feast. Heracles, though, said he needed to take the belt to Eurystheus and asked the king to keep his irony and the horses safe so he could return to collect them. Little did he know he had just had a lucky escape. Laomedon had planned to kill them all. Heracles and his friends sailed back to Tyrins after a few more adventures and presented the belt to Eurystheus. The king, ungrateful as usual, took the belt and gave it to his daughter. He immediately sent Heracles out to carry out his next labour. The tenth labour was, by a long chalk, the most difficult so far. Heracles was told he must travel past the edge of the known world, over the river Ocean, which surrounded the world, to the land of Erythia. He was to bring back to Eurystheus the cattle of Gurion, without asking for them or paying for them. The cattle were ferocious and guarded by a vicious herdsman called Eurytion, and his two-headed dog called Orthos. Orthos was, of course, one of the offspring of Typhon and Echidna. Gurion himself was said to be the strongest of all men. He had three heads, three bodies joined at the waist, and six arms. The journey began. Heracles trekked across Europe, through the places we now know as Italy and France, and into the place we now know as Spain. Eventually he arrived at the small strait, separating the continents of Europe and Africa, the place where the Mediterranean Sea meets the Atlantic Ocean. When he reached this strait, he erected two huge pillars called Calpi and Abila. Abila was on the African side and Calpi on the European side. Later, the Romans called them the Pillars of Hercules. Calpi we know today as the Rock of Gibraltar. By this time, Heracles was tired and weary. He was sent half crazy by the horrible heat of the sun. He was so unhappy that when he saw Helios cross the sky, he lost his temper. He fired an arrow at the titan, trying to knock him out of his chariot. Helios thought the sight of a mortal trying to shoot him and his chariot out of the sky was absolutely hilarious. He was so amused, in fact, that he offered to help Heracles. He offered to lend him the great golden bowl that he sailed across the sky in every day. The bowl, he said, could be used to cross the river ocean and sail to Erythia. Heracles gratefully accepted, and using his lion skin as a sail, sailed off towards his destination. Heracles arrived on the island and climbed a mountain so he could view the pasture where the cattle lived. It was here that the hero came face to face with Orthos, the two-headed dog. Heracles had regained his strength by this time, and he killed the snarling beast with one swing of his mighty club. The herdsman, Eurytion, followed, but he was killed with just as much ease. Heracles, warming to his task, smiled and made his way towards the cattle. Little did he know, though, that another herdsman had seen him approaching and had run off to warn Gerion. Heracles drove the cattle towards the shore, but spotted Gerion as the giant advanced on him. 
He was brandishing various deadly weapons in his six hands and was shouting horrible threats. Heracles realised that even he didn't stand much of a chance against Geryon if he had to fight him with his hands and club alone. He quickly fired three arrows and hit Geryon once in each of his three throats. He then clubbed one of the giant's heads, knocked the helmet off the second and shot the third with an arrow dipped in the blood of the Hydra. Geryon was dead. He'd only been trying to protect his cattle, but he managed to get killed while doing it. It is usually difficult to feel sorry for three-headed monsters, but it is hard not to feel sorry for Geryon. Heracles sailed back over the river ocean in the cup and returned it to Helios. He was very grateful to the sun god. He then drove the herd over land and back to Greece. He was attacked in the area we now know as France by some natives and he ran out of arrows trying to fight them off. Unarmed and exhausted, Heracles prayed to his father Zeus. The king of the gods sent down millions of small boulders which the hero threw at his enemies. Pretty soon they were all dead and Heracles travelled on. When the hero and his cattle reached the southern point of Italy, one of the bulls escaped and swam away to Sicily. There it joined the herd of the king Eryx. Heracles set off to reclaim the bull, but Eryx, who thought the beast was just magnificent, refused to give it back. He challenged Heracles to a wrestling match. Now, everyone has heard of Heracles. Everyone in the ancient world had heard of Heracles. Everyone in the mythical world had heard of Heracles. Eryx must have heard of Heracles, which makes challenging him to a wrestling match one of the most stupid ideas in all of Greek myth. Of course, Heracles beat Eryx and then killed him. Heracles was nearly home. He reached Greece and began to make his way towards Tiryns. Hera was getting pretty desperate by now. Heracles was about to complete his tenth labour. He'd have done all ten and would be free. Again she tried to interfere, this time by sending a plague of gadfly to annoy the cattle. Her plan worked and the beasts scattered among the mountains of Thrace. It took Heracles ages to gather them, but gather them he did. He took the cattle back to Eurystheus, who sacrificed the whole lot to Hera. The tenth labour was complete. Heracles stood before Eurystheus in triumph. My ten labours are complete, he said. Eight years I have worked for you, but now I am free of your commands. Eurystheus looked back at the great hero and smiled nastily. Not so, he said. You were supposed to carry out these tasks alone and you were not allowed to be paid. You had help to kill the Hydra and you were paid to clean the stables. The second and fifth labours do not count. You must perform two more. Hera commands it. Heracles dropped his head and nodded. Although he was fuming inside, he knew he couldn't do anything about it. OK, he said. What have you got for me now? Aha, said Eurystheus. I'm sure I have you beaten this time. Go to the Garden of the Hesperides and bring me back three of the golden apples. Heracles set out wearily. This was a big one. He didn't even know where the Hesperides, a group of nymphs, lived. He knew about the golden apples. They belonged to Hera, but were in a garden that had been created by Atlas, before he had been forced to hold up the sky as a punishment for fighting against the Olympians. The apples were guarded by a dragon called Ladon. I bet you can't guess who the parents of Ladon were. For this eleventh labour, though, Zeus had some help for Heracles. The king of the gods had a task which was important as the labour itself. He had become a bit more merciful as he got older, and he knew he'd done something very wrong many years earlier. 
Zeus set in place a course of events to right the wrong. And what was this wrong? Well, we'll find out in a minute. Heracles travelled through Illyria, where he went to see some nymphs who supposedly had information on the whereabouts of the Hesperides. Zeus, though, had visited the nymphs and told them what to say. They informed the hero he must travel to the Caucasus Mountains, where he would find someone who could tell him what to do next. Heracles did as he was told, and after a long journey arrived at the Caucasus. The journey was long, hot and dangerous, and climbing the mountains was even more dangerous. Soon, though, he came upon the one who could help him. Chained to the cliff was a mighty titan. Swooping down towards the titan was a huge eagle. Heracles watched in horror as the eagle ripped out the titan's liver and ate it. Prometheus, the titan, screamed in pain, just as he did every day. Heracles immediately felt sorry for Prometheus and drew his bow. He fired a single arrow at the eagle and killed it. He then set Prometheus three, just as Zeus had intended. Zeus later put the arrow in the sky as the constellation Sagittar. "'Who on earth are you, silly mortal?' asked Prometheus. "'Have you any idea how cross Zeus is going to be when he finds out what you've done?' "'I am Heracles, son of Zeus,' replied the hero, "'and I am here by his command. "'He forgives you and wants you to be free. "'He apologises and asks that you forgive him for chaining you here for so long.' "'As he freed the Titan, he asked about the whereabouts of the Hesperides.' Prometheus frowned and told him he must travel to the place where his brother, Atlas, stood holding up the sky. Only he can help you, he said. He told the hero of many other things, and for once Heracles felt humble. He learned a good deal from the great Titan, who had done so much to help mankind. Soon, though, he left Prometheus to travel to the other side of the world. It took a long time, but eventually Heracles arrived at the place where Atlas stood holding up the sky. "'Great Titan,' he said, "'your brother Prometheus told me I must ask for your help. "'I am Heracles, and I have been set a task. "'I must get three of the golden apples from the garden of the Hesperides. "'Will you help me?' "'Atlas turned and frowned at the hero. "'I will help you,' he said, "'if you do two things for me. First, you must kill the dragon laden, "'and then you must stand here and hold up the sky "'while I fetch the apples for you.' "'Heracles agreed.' Killing Laden was not too much of a problem. He could see the garden from the place where he stood next to Atlas, and he could see the huge dragon. He drew an arrow and shot from a huge distance. He was accurate, as always, and Ladon was hit in the throat. The dragon slunk off and died. Atlas beckoned to Heracles to stand next to him, and slowly, very slowly, placed the sky on the hero's shoulders. He then went down to the garden. Heracles held up the sky all night. He thought Atlas would never return and felt a bit stupid for agreeing to hold up the sky. Perhaps he was going to be there forever. He was absolutely delighted, therefore, when he saw the Titan approaching with three golden apples the following morning. As the Titan got closer, though, Heracles began to worry. Atlas had a cruel gleam in his eye and a nasty smile on his face. He stood in front of Heracles. I am enjoying being free of that weight, he said. I will take the apples to your master and you can stay here. Heracles was in a bit of a pickle. In fact, he was in a lot of a pickle. He was, though, a great hero and he came up with a trick. OK, he said, you've deserved your freedom from this terrible weight. 
just one thing before you go. You are such an expert in holding up the sky, and I am just a learner. Will you show me the best way to hold it so I can do it better? Atlas, who was clearly a bit dim, agreed. He put down the apples and took hold of the sky, explaining to Heracles how best to support it on his shoulders while showing him how to hold it. Heracles watched carefully, pretending to listen and take it all in. He then picked up the apples and ran away. Atlas watched him and probably said the Titan equivalent of DOLT! Heracles presented the apples to Eurystheus, who was too scared to take them in case he upset their owner, Hera. He gave them to Heracles as a present. He then told him of his final task. He laughed cruelly as he told Heracles he must go to the underworld and bring back the Hound of Hades. He had to return to the surface with Kerberos. Heracles gave the golden apples to Athena, who travelled to the Garden of the Hesperides. On the way she saw Atlas and took pity on him. She drew out the gorgon's head, given to her by Perseus, and showed it to the titan. He was turned to stone. The sky has stayed unmoving ever since. Hermes guided Heracles into the underworld, and soon they came to the river Styx. Charon should have stopped Heracles crossing the river, as he was not dead, but the ferryman was frightened by Heracles' scowl and let him cross. This was definitely not allowed, though, and Charon was later punished by Hades. When he stepped into the underworld, all of the shades ran away. Only two of them came to meet him. The first was Medusa. Heracles drew his bow, but then Meliagros came to meet him. She is just a harmless ghost like the rest of us, he said. She can do you no harm. There is no need to fire that arrow. Heracles thanked Meliagros and they chatted for a while, before Heracles moved on to the palace of Hades. Meliagros told Heracles about his sad death, and Heracles agreed to marry his sister, Dinaria, if he returned to the surface safely. Near the gates of Tartarus, Heracles came across Theseus and Perithoos stuck to their sofa. He reached down to them and tried to pull them free. He took hold of Theseus's hand and pulled him free. He then tried to pull Perithoos, but the ground shook as he pulled. Heracles realised the underworld did not want Perithoos to be free, so he left him there, still stuck to the chair. Theseus returned to the earth, but he didn't last long. He found a home with Lycomedes, king of the island of Skyros, who pretended to be his friend. Unfortunately, Lycomedes was secretly an enemy of Theseus. He took the former hero to the highest point of the island and pushed him off a cliff to his death. Theseus returned to the underworld, dead this time. Heracles marched onto the palace and stood before Hades and Persephone. He told the king of the underworld what he had to do and asked if he could take Kerberos. Yes, you may take him, said Hades, but only if you can capture him without using weapons. Heracles looked at the Hound of Hades, chained to the gates, ready to stop the shades escaping from the underworld. Kerberos snarled and waited. Hoping that he had enough strength, Heracles advanced. He was so close to completing his labours and being free. Surely he wasn't going to fail now. Next time, we will hear about Heracles completing his last labour, and we'll find out what happened to the great hero in the rest of his life. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.